all the great leaders work on themselves. What a fascinating discussion I had with my guest. His name is Anthony Amunategi. Now, Anthony is the founder of CDO Group. It's a national commercial construction firm that he started almost 25 years ago with a small group in his basement. Today, the CDO Group has worked with some of the world's largest brands to build an estimated of 1 million square feet of retail space per year. Anthony's got a real true passion for finding out what makes people successful in business and in life. And he loves diving into conversations about what the future holds for us personally and professionally and the adventures that shape that journey. And as I said before, it was a fascinating discussion with Anthony. And we did talk about all the great leaders who work on themselves. But you know what? He also talked about surrounding yourself with people who will tell you the truth. And talks about the team around him. And the other thing too that he sort of covered off was the future of our game is not doing it the old way. The future is doing it differently. And so that just beautifully just coincides nicely with the leadership is changing and this whole podcast and what we do. But listeners, what I'm going to do is encourage you now to sit back and really enjoy the interview that I had with Anthony. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode with the Leadership is Changing podcast. And I have a great guest with me today. His name is Anthony Amunategi. And Anthony is a founder of the CDO Group, which is a national commercial construction firm, as I said in my other introduction to this episode. Anthony, a massive welcome to you. Dennis, I am so proud to be on your show. You, you, your show is amazing, and I am honored to have been chosen to be on it. Thank you. Thank you. So let's just find out where you, whereabouts are you in the world today? You know, I am in the beautiful, a little bit cold today, but to the beautiful Chicago, Illinois. I'm originally from South, sunny South Florida. So a little Florida boy moved up here about 30 years ago, and I am in right outside in a city called Oak Park, Illinois. Oak Park, Illinois. So I went to Chicago. My brother moved there a few years ago, coffee business and so forth in Chicago. And we went for about an hour and a half out of Chicago to watch rugby games when my nephew was playing. And I don't, I don't know if it was Oak Park, whatever, but it's really quite interesting to see that whole sport take off. And so what's, what team do you support coming from Florida, but living in Chicago? Which, which team do you support? I've got a couple of sports fans. I'm a big sports fan in that for sure. The Chicago Bears have become, you know, you're here for 30 years. And Chicago is a great sports town. If you, if you come to Chicago, it is a sports town, right? From ball to baseball, we have two great baseball teams, an amazing hockey team, an amazing basketball team. You know, Chicago, soccer here is legendary. I mean, you know, in the States, you know, I didn't grow up with much soccer, but here in Chicago, we've got some amazing soccer teams and the sports here in Illinois really, really will surprise you. It's a very, it's a very close it's a really big city, but it feels like a small town, right? Where people really support their teams. It's a, it's a big, it's a lot of fun being around 
the excitement of sports here in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, when I went and visited the family, I thought it was beautiful. It's, it reminded me of Wellington here in New Zealand, actually, very much that waterfront, but also the wind a little bit and, and all that. So it's really cool. So I've given our listeners here a little bit of an introduction to you and your bio and so forth. So tell us a little bit more about your background. You know, Dennis, I, I, I have, you know, from a very young age, I've always been an entrepreneur, right? You know, I was the first kid on my block. I, I grew up in Florida, right? And, and I was the first kid on my block to have a lawn mowing business, right? I, I, I learned how to mow my neighbor's lawn and I had to get the neighbor's lawn after that. And then, you know, then I really got smart. I figured out how to hire my friends and pay them half of what I was getting paid to go mow the lawn and I'd keep the other half, right? So I figured out how to market and bill and, and take care of all that stuff. And I would provide them with a lawnmower. So then I ended up with two or three lawnmowers. And my parents were like, all right, great. Now I'm going to put that in my garage. And, but it was great because they taught me. But my mother was a really big, you know, a really big opponent of being an entrepreneur. And even though she was, she always worked for the government. And, but she told, she taught me how to grow, right? Which and really how to, how to be fiscally sound. And my father taught me how to buy good equipment and take care of the people that work for me. And that was great. So that was the first, I, I started early on doing that. I worked, worked my way through uh, school. I went to work at a brokerage firm. So someone taught me how to sell, right? I worked for this old Jewish man, right? His old guy, he was a curmudgeon of curmudgeons. There was, if there was a curmudgeon, he was a curmudgeon. He just was grumpy all the time. And he would just teach me how to work hard. He just literally put me on a desk and from eight o'clock on the East coast to eight o'clock PM on the West coast taught me how to just never put the phone down, just dial. He goes, kid, are you a millionaire yet? You're not a millionaire. Put that phone back on your ear and talk to the next guy. And he taught me that, that asking for sales was okay, right? There was something about being able to talk to people on the phone and asking for a sale and that they weren't going to bite me and take away my birthday. And I'm, you can imagine I'm 19 years old, right? I'm this young kid. And he just taught me how to be relentless on that. And that, and that was great. So it was a great way to do that. And, and the market crashed in 87 and it really got a little sideways. And I decided to go off and, and start a painting company and to go back to college and finish my college. And I worked my way through school painting houses. And I, again, I learned how to walk door to door and knock on people's door and say, hi, I, I was cute. I would, I'd wear like a little, a little skipper's outfit, right? I had little black shorts and a little white shirt with little epaulets on it. And I'd, I'd be clean cut and I would be honorable and, and I would do what I say I was going to do. And I had, I would, I would, you know, hire my friends and we would paint houses and, and they would tell their friends and, and it became this great little business. And then I got into commercial painting and the one thing led to another thing. And I got to start working on Banana Republics in a, in a company called Discovery Zone. And a guy at Discovery Zone said, Hey kid, I want to hire you. I'm like, well, I never thought I'm going to, I thought I was going to be an accountant, right? I was just kind of doing this to, to learn through school. I thought I'm going to be an accountant in the financial world. I'm not going to go to in construction. And he brought, he goes, I'll pay for your ticket to come to Chicago. I want, he goes, I'll pay for you to come to my office. I'll give you a free trip. You're going to spend the weekend in Chicago on me. And he invited me up to Chicago. And this is, you know, you're going to be talking, uh, you know, this is back when I was about 35 years ago. Right. And, um, I, I had never been in such a big city. I'd, I'd gone through New York on some on trips to Italy or Europe with my parents, but had never been in a working part of the city. And I got off the train. And I was in the middle of the city and that energy was intoxicating. I mean, first of all, it scared the crap out of me, right? My knees, Dennis, my knees were shaken. The first day I was in the city of Chicago, my knees were, I went up to the 33rd floor where his office was, and I thought I was going to pee in my pants. I thought, they're going to find out that I'm a fraud. I don't know anything what I'm doing. I'm this little redneck kid. I, I, I'm, I'm making this all up as I go and they're going to figure it out. And he didn't. He walked, he walked in and goes, look, I'm going to give you a job, kid. And I, I'm going to give you a job. And I said, okay. So that's how I got, that's how I ended up in Chicago. And that led itself to some really amazing things. You know, this guy was a, a, a great leader 
his name was Fred Gores, and he, and he invited me in. And he goes, look, take the job. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to take the job. And I went back down to Florida, and someone stole my little painting trailer. And I looked up in the air, and I said, God, I guess you're telling me something. And I wasn't the most religious guy, but I, I, there was some sort of sign. I said, okay. And I packed up. I had just gotten married. And I packed up my wife, and we went to Chicago. And, and, and the rest was history, right? That, that's where it really started my excitement for construction and production construction. And Fred taught me how to run teams. And he was a great leader. He, he just really knew how to put together programs. And you know, he, he, one, he let me travel. I got paid to travel the, the country. My second day at the company, I went from Chicago to Puerto Rico. I'm like, you're going to pay me to go to Puerto Rico? And I went to Puerto Rico. And my third day, I went, to, I went from Puerto Rico back to Chicago to California. I'm like, you're going to pay me to do this every day? Like, I, I get off and I go take pictures or something. and get back on an airplane and fly back. Back then, you didn't have cell phones or you took digital pictures. You know, I, I was on the first, or Polaroid. There were Polaroids back. I took Polaroid pictures and I take them back to Fred. And, and, and then he sent me to Hawaii. I'm like, you're paying for me to go to Hawaii? For the next seven years, I traveled for that man every day. I mean, it, literally every day. I'd, I'd come home on, on Saturday mornings and I would leave on Sunday nights. And I, I traveled. I got to see the world and I got to be with some great people. And that was a great, just a great way to to get into the business, but I always worked hard, right? I always put a little bit more than the guys next to me. And that was from the guy that, uh, you know, so those early days, you, you don't, you don't really get a chance to understand where you're going, right? when you're looking at your life, but when you look backwards, it kind of makes sense, right? You can join those dots later on and understand how things have worked out for you and what's happened. And yeah, and maybe there was signs there for you too, which is, which is interesting. Hey, um, then you now have several companies today, but how did you actually get into leadership? Sure. As I continued to go, you know, working in construction for retail companies is great, but it's also you work yourself out of a job, right? Somewhere, everyone's company stops building. Mm. So I had done it for Discovery Zone and then Blockbuster Video and then Boston Market and then Einstein Bagels and then Panera Bread. And no one had ever fired me, but they said, hey, look, we're just not, we're not building anymore, but we're going to have to let our team go. And I realized, I'm like, Man, this is gonna be a tough way to sustain. I was still young. Like, this is a tough way to sustain a living. And I had a young wife, and you know that coming home and not, not, not having a paycheck or not knowing if I was gonna have, have a paycheck. You know, luckily I always worked hard. I was the kind of guy who would send out five or six hundred resumes. Right? I, I I did a great job of collecting cards everywhere I went. You know, I was I I just knew how to you know kind of overdo it. And I, I realized something. I said, you know what? I don't want to do this you know, for, the, for the rest of my life. This doesn't seem like the kind of lifestyle I want to build. And what I realized was. Why were these companies developing these entire teams of people? Look, they sold video, rented videos, or they sold chicken, or they sold, uh, uh, they sold bagels. Why do they have an entire development set? It makes no sense. You know, but back then, a retail company that wanted to grow fast couldn't trust a contractor, right? The contractor's lips were moving. They were probably lying. They couldn't trust their brokers. They were always trying to get them. They needed some professional people to manage their development for them. At the time, there was either brokers that did sold real estate or their general contractors, or there's an architect and none of the, which understood how to put systems together to do a predictable delivery of a development program. Mm. And that's really what happened was I got to get into development construction and I figured out how to create predictable deliveries of a development plan, right? So when someone said to me, Hey, I want to be able to do 400 stores. I was able to put together a system that was able to create a predictable delivery of that so that you could guarantee that we could, you know, talk to your stock, your stockholders. And when you say, when you put a, a, a projection on the, on the marketplace, we could deliver that and we'd make that delivery. I mean, sometimes it's by the skin of our teeth, 
In fact, most of the time it was by the skin of our teeth, but we would, we would make that delivery. And we, as long as you make that commitment, no matter what it takes, you know, you, you, you know, you're, you're still, you can still live the fight another day. And I think that that piece you just talked about by the skin of your teeth at times, and you know, it can get very close to the wire. There's a whole lot of people around there, Anthony, who would actually just quit. They wouldn't even deliver it. They would just stop, right? That piece right at the end there where it's just very close. What's the thing? What's the, the, the thing you need to do to drive it and bring it home and make sure you get it over the line? Look, every single time I sit down with a young, you know, young entrepreneur, right? And, and I, I do say all the time, I, I, I enjoy sitting with them. And if you're a young entrepreneur and you're out there, you can look, parents, if you look at a parent, right? Yeah, as a parent, I have five kids and I've made up what it means to be a parent, right? But, but the truth is the job has one, one job. Make sure the kid doesn't die, right? Like I have one real task every day. Make sure that they don't die, right? Now I make up all about the kids should know Beethoven, should know Cantonese and should be able to learn all, all, all the stuff. That's all my ego, right? It gets in it. But the truth is as a parent, I have one job, don't die, right? Because no matter what, if the kid's still there, I can keep building on them. Yeah. You know, well, it's the same thing as an entrepreneur. We mess up what we think we're supposed to do every day. The truth is an entrepreneur, your job is to don't die. Don't let the company die. No matter what, look, you're going to mess things up every day. I, I was on a phone this morning with a guy I'm, I'm supporting. He's, a, he's, he's starting a little bakery company out of, out of Canada. He's a great guy, right? He went from being a priest. He had a dream to do Ghanese. He's, he's from Ghana and he wants to build this sort of bakery company with, with these great Ghanese del delights. And it's beautiful. But, you know, today he made this whole delivery of, of packages and he took it down to a purveyor and the guy took all his packages off and said, I don't want any of that stuff. And he came back and he was deflated. And, I, and he goes, well, I, I just deflated. I, said, I looked at him and said, stop, Buttercup. Look, I don't mean to be tough on you, but the truth is that's going to happen every day. As an entrepreneur, don't get caught up in, you're going to have days when you think that that's important, but it wasn't to that guy. He wants your products. He doesn't want the packaging. He's got, he's going to put it on his counter, uh, on a shelf and sell like it's his own. Who cares? Your job is to sell your goods. Now, look, you're, you get caught up in that. And that's where sometimes as an entrepreneur, our egos get in the way. Our job is to make sure we survive and learn, right? Every one of these opportunities is a learning opportunity. All right, great. When I go look at a commercial, when I go, go to do retail or wholesale, I should look at, ask first, do they want all this packaging, right? It's a great lesson you just learned. You just lost $35, $40 worth of material. And he's doing it out of his kitchen today. So you're going to learn that that's part of, so just, you know, the key is no matter what, just don't die. You know, I, I remember one time, 2008, we went from, you know, a really big company down to four people, three people, we're now three people in the company. We went from, you know, $400,000 in sales to 10 projects in an entire year. Right. And it was, it was like, we, we, I remember we, we were just getting killed and my ego was there and it was tough because I had to let people go two weeks before Christmas. My account said, you have no more money. I'm like, well, how can I not have any more money? I come on. I mean, look, we can do it. Come on, guys, go make a sale. But at the time, the market was dead. It was hard as an entrepreneur not to lie to yourself. And that's why you have to have people around you who can tell you the truth. Because my brain sees things in, in a different way. I, I look at things in a much positive, sometimes I lie to myself, right? Sometimes I believe my own lies. And I need a team of people around me. So that account said the truth. Look, you don't have enough money. Don't put it at risk. You're, you don't have enough to make payroll if you do. And I had to let people go. And it was humbling, right? But the company survived, mm. right? We survived. And those four, the four of us, we made it through some of the toughest times in the economy, right? And, we, and, and then we built up. And today, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll crush that $100 million mark today, this year, right? That's a, it's, a, it's amazing growth that we're doing. Right. The, we, you know, we've broken all 50 states. We've done projects in, 
you know, we continue to do amazing growth, but I wouldn't have done that if at that time I gave up because those days when I let those people go two weeks before Thanksgiving or Christmas, I, it was just, it was literally soul crushing, right? Dennis, I mean, you go through, you go through that, right? When you, yep. when you think you got all the stuff, you got it, all the pieces together, you feel like a genius. And the next moment you feel like messed up bad, right? But your job is to remember, just keep fighting, right? Just, you got to make sure the company lives to fight another day. That's awesome stuff that you're sharing there, because I think it's really important that people understand that, you know, you're going to have people around you to help you understand the truth or tell you the truth. That's one thing. And two is, yes, it's not easy. And sometimes we have to make those decisions and make people redundant or whatever, but we have to keep going as long as what Anthony's just shared here, listeners, that we learn from the actual scenario and then move on from it, right? And that's the key. Don't sort of get into what I call, Anthony, I call it pity city. People start feeling sorry for themselves. And, you know, you might need to do that quickly, but get over it and get it and start moving forward. And it's really, really important. Hey, Anthony, who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? You know, this is going to be one you're going to appreciate, right? He's a, he's a, he's a I don't, I don't mean you're from a different island, but he's a Greek leader. And, you know, when I, when I, when I really look at it, you know, there's, there's, there's the Spartans to me were everything I loved. Leonidas was, was, you know, was with the story of the 300 and the Spartans and who they were, you know, to me, that's what I love about developing humans, right? When I, when we look at what we do, right? So, so that is right. When I work with people, the, the big thing I notice is that, you know, for me, I've had to grow myself, right? Every great leader, if they're, they're working, working on anything, they got to work on themselves, right? I'm working on myself the most. And as I, as I go through development and I work on my character defects, right? Those things that really take me out as a leader, right? And, and every single, you know, there was a young man leader and there were some things I did there that were okay, but then they outgrew them. Like that leader couldn't take the company to where it was the next level, right? Like I, I couldn't go out and drink with my friends or my, my employees anymore. Like I, like I thought, being a, you know, having fun and relationships and happened at the time, my early days, I used to hire all my friends, right? And it was kind of fun to go out and do that. And I realized, great. That was one level. And, and and the truth was you'd get deals, but no one ever gives deals to a, the guy that's out there partying, right? You may get a couple of deals because they want a couple of deals here or there, but you never get the big deals, right? The multi-million dollar deals. They don't, they, you know, if you go drink them, that's not the guy you get to deal with. And if you do, you're lucky, but it's not sustainable, right? They, they want to give it to the professional. And I had to keep changing, right? So as I continue to change me and I really had, when you talk about outside people, I had to bring a lot of people in around me to look at my character defects. And what I mean by that, right? Sometimes that sounds hard, right? But there's characteristics that you're, you have as a leader that aren't serving your company, right? Your fear, your anxieties, the things that you do, some of the shame and guilt, some of the things you don't understand, the things you hide from, the places where the thing that you don't want to do in your office the most, you probably got to work on it, right? When I don't want to look at accounting, when I don't want to look at my, my marketing, when I don't want to look at at employee retention, if I don't want to look at performance evaluations, the things that I want to stop on, those are the things that are going to affect my ability to grow. And those are where we stop. You know? And we look at guys like, like Leonidas and the Spartans and the story of them, they were bred, right? The work that they did in training was harder than any battle they ever went to, right? They were kind of like your toys, right? They were just bred. They lived the behaviors, right? They practiced these principles in all their affairs. Right. They did not, they were not shy about their behaviors and they lived, worked, and they exuded that behavior everywhere they went. So when they got to the battle, 
it wasn't something hard. It wasn't something hard they had to do, right? It became just part of their everyday thing. In fact, you know, uh, you, you see them laugh in some of these movies about them, just how they laugh at the other words they dealt with, right? So they're just, you know, when we as a team and the people that we work with and we work on, on support them so they can, they can, other leaders can do the same thing. I think that's what I've always tried to work on is how do I work on me, right? If I, Anthony Amanategi works on Anthony and looks at his characteristics and his defects and the way he sleeps, the way he eats, the way, I mean, all of that affects how I am in the office, right? My ability, you know, how, how can I have integrity when I don't act in integrity, right? And that's both physical, mental, right? Psychological, all the things that I need to do to be a, a great leader. And th- so to me, that's, that's a big part of what you would, what, why I love Leonidas as a leader, right? And uh, the, the, really the, the ability to breed that passion for being away. And today, when you look at CDO group, you know, there's a, there's a very great, there's a great feeling of how do we each grow each other? And there's a passion for that around here, right? We, we you know, people read books and hand them off to each other. And there's constantly kind of that conversation around, you know, there's bad days. Come on. We're, we're at the end of a year in, in construction. We're coming up to the holidays. Every, we have half as much time as we need. We're all worn out. We've had a tough year. And, right, this has been a tough year. This has been the toughest construction years ever on the planet because not only do we have more work than we ever had, but we're also having a hard time getting supplies. So everything that we normally have a tough time doing now gets a little bit harder because the materials we're looking for are showing up late and they're really affecting our ability to stay, stay focused sometimes. So, you know, you got to work on those, those, those behaviors that you have as a leader. Yeah, I, I love what you shared there. I think some really strong stuff and, and it's really good. And if you were to sit down on a park bench with Leonidas and you two are having a coffee together, would there be one question that Anthony would like to ask him? There's a passion that he has and, you know, the, the fiber of, of, of their entire community, right? That it's not just the men and the warriors, it's the women warriors, right? And today, you know, I, 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 I would love to sit down and and really continue to have that, that be the conversation, right? What he, when, when Leonidas looks at his wife, right? Today, I, I, my wife is the president of CDO Group. And when I look at her and where she's taken CDO Group, right? A lot of that has to do with that conversation at, on a park bench with Leonidas, right? In my head, right? How do I get, you know, I've got three daughters. And as I look at their future, right? And if I really want to stand in making a difference in society, Right? How do our Spartans here, how do they all prosper? Not just warriors and the warrior kings and how do they all prosper, right? And no matter who they, how does the mailman who walks in our door, delivers our mail, how does, how is his life better? Because we exist. And that to me is, you know, sitting down and understanding that behaviors, right? How we as a community, how, how is the integrity of our conversation How's the integrity of our actions show that? Yeah, I mean, how he walks in and so how our community, him being part of that, but also I think how you make him feel as well when he, you know, and when he walks away, he's feeling really good. Anthony, the, the show here, the title is called Leadership is Changing. When I mentioned that title or that statement, what does that mean for you? You know, our people are drinking off a of fire hose, Dennis. Mm. All of them, right? If you look across, you know, when I was younger, and I worked for Fred Gores, right? And his team or, or at the brokerage, I had my, my, my life consisted was much smaller in, in multiple directions, right? I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a digital camera. I didn't have the internet, right? When, when, when that guy said, sit down and dial all day, I didn't have a phone in my lap in between me and the desk, 
I didn't have 15 channels of social media that I'm trying to stay on to. I sat there and all I was trying to do is beat the guy in the other corner, right? He and I were going to beat those two guys. Well, now our people are plagued with so much drinking off of fire. The world has never been better, Mm. right? Look, it's never been better, but it's also going through the, the pendulum swung, right? And now we've got so much information coming at us. We're trying to figure out what's important and what's not. And it will swing back, right? Well, we're slowly, parents are getting tired of their kids spending all night long on the internet. You see lawsuits after lawsuits and people are fighting with Twitter and Instagram and they say, okay, look, it will swing back. But at first, right, when, just like when the internet first came out, when AOL, when we did the dial-up service, everybody got on there and they did all those silly chat rooms and it slowly the pendulum came back and now it's swinging again. So right now they're going through that and having grace for them, right? As a leader, you have to have grace for the people that you lead. They're going through this. And if, if you can stay in grace and, and, and love them up as they go through and see them as for what they're going through, you know, that's the best gift we can give them is, is you know, as a leader, today, you got to be able to see your people and what they're going through. Yep. And if you can honor that path for them, there's a chance that, that you know, you might be able to you know, get their ear and, and, and help pull them out of where, you know, where they're at. It's not like, you know, not, people want to shame them. How could they? What are they doing? But we really want to do is listen to them, right? Today, those are the people who are changing our company, right? They're taking ideas and, and stuff they're learning and they're applying them to our world. And, you know, construction might have a shot. It might have a shot of not being the archaic business that we built, the, you know, the Coliseum with, right? If you look at construction, mm-hmm. they built the Coliseum. And most of the projects I've built throughout my career were built very similar to the Coliseum. We carried, carried heavy crap from one spot to another spot and we banged on it. And people, you know, schedules were blown and, and things were broke and it took longer than it should have. And today, by the speed our communities are growing, we can't afford that anymore. Yeah. And these people now are taking tools and technologies and they're changing it, right? The environmental change of construction. Yeah, here, one of the guys, we're doing, we're doing a whole exercise on environmental waste. Right. Our people are, are working on, do you realize that construction is the number one environmental waste in the world? Number one. Number one. Now look at this. Look, let's just say we're taking a small, your, your, your brother's, your brother's coffee shop, right? Let's say it's a $400,000 bill, right? Let's just take that number, $400,000. Dennis, right? Take 400000 That's how much we're going to spend to build the coffee shop. And they say, okay, great. I'm going to get five contractors to bid on this, right? As me, you, Mr. B, Mr. C, Mr. D, right? We got five contractors. They're going to bid on and each one of those contractors, let's say they have 25 light items are bid. They got tile and they've got lighting and they've got HVAC and plumbing and, and, and electrical, right? Let's say there's 25 line items they have to bid on there. And each one of those guys wants to go to bid or two, two or three different subs, right? Cause they want the best bid. Yeah. So they're going to try to get plumbers or three plumbers to go bid on it. And let's say it takes each of those groups. Look, it takes us five to 10,000 bucks for a small project to bid, right? When, when we take our people, our estimating team, and we separate them and we put them on a, over in a room. We take a set of plans. We send it out to all these people and we have to get them all back and we have to put all the bids together and take it. That takes, it costs me 10 grand. Well, let's say it costs that little company, let's say just for ease, let's say it costs them two grand, right? And those guys have to go to supply house, right? So now they got to go to, you know, they got to go to the HVAC supply house and say, or oh, how much is the, air, the unit and how much is the ductwork? They got to get pricing on it. And so it's had to stop their day. And before they even start a project, before anybody's ever been awarded the project, Listen, this is the most amazing part about construction is that you start looking and going, well, let's see, that's five companies. They had 25 line items. 
times three subs, that's 75 subs at 2000 bucks is 150,000 bucks times, times five contractors, right? Now we've got, so what's that? 150 times three is uh, what, 450, 450, is that right? Three, three times 150. Yep. Yeah. Or no, it'd be five, five times 150, 650, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh, great. Wait, hold on. 150, 300, 450, 600, 750, right? So 750, right? 750,000 bucks and no one's won the project yet. Mm. It's a $400,000 coffee shop. Right now, one person wins it. Let's say that I win it. But you got to remember, you bid it at $10. The guy next to you bid it for $9. And I came in and said, I'm going to bid it for $8. Now I'm under, I'm under financed for the project. So now I got to do some shortcut. I got to do something short there. I've got to be able to get, you know, what I was, was supposed to have five guys in the job. Now I got to get three guys to do the work of five guys. And the truth is they never get it done. So, so I go in and do my work. I don't get it done in time. The next guy comes in who's underqualified because he won the bid. He lied to get the bid. And now the, the domino effect of that whole process makes construction chaos. If you look across this world, it's chaos. The future of our game is not in, is, is no longer going to be in, in, in doing it this way. And our young leaders are seeing that. And they're like, hey, man, this is really ineffective, right? Why do we have to go bang our heads and beg people to do things for nothing? If you look at what Uber did, it changed the world. It, took, it got rid of taxi companies. And went directly to the drivers and said, with, with small technology, I can make a lot more money and use your car and, and have a lot better experience. And that's starting to come. That's the changes that we're seeing. And the young people are, are making that happen, right? If we keep doing what we've been doing, yeah. we'll keep getting what we're getting. Those young people are, are doing that. You have to honor them. Yeah, yeah, cool. I think, you know, the, the future of our game is doing things differently is, is the way that we've got to definitely do, do that and not do it the old way. And I think you've actually answered my other question too about leaders being successful in a fast-paced, ever-changing world. You've covered that off nicely just in what you were just sharing there as well. It's about doing things differently and being different, but also being true to yourself as well. I think what I heard you say, Anthony, too, is about understanding who you are and what you're doing as an organization. Anthony, you and I have been talking about leadership. We've been talking about leaders. If we were to change lens right now and talk about the employee and coming from their, their perspective, how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? You know, I, th I think there's, they're looking for someone to guide them. You know, I asked this question of, of a couple of people this week, and, and I said, really, what are you expecting out of a leader? Right? They want someone that's going to guide them, right? In places where they don't understand, you're, we're asking them to take steps and they don't know the ground's going to be there, right? And we're, we're pushing them to go some places that are difficult. They just want to know that you've got their back as they're stepping. As we push them out on the thin branches of, of development, of new ideas and going places, they want to know that if that branch breaks, we got them, right? You got a hand there for them, right? So as they go out on those skinny branches, and they are, right? Every day we're asking them to try on new stuff and new ideas. Also looking for someone with vision, right? The problem is a lot of leaders are, they're not focused, right? They go into business and they carry with them a, a big bag of, of nonsense. And look, you know, what I mean by that is it's hard to have vision to be focused when I carry into my workday all kinds of drama, right? As a leader, if I show up in the workplace and I carry with me what I call the big red bag of shame, right? You ever, you ever, you ever see Santa Claus? He's got that big Santa Claus bag yeah. of toys and stuff. Well, most of us walk into the world with that, with, with all that kind of nonsense in there. Inside of there is their stuff that they're dealing with at their home, their stuff they're doing in their life, and their stuff they have from their past. And when I carry that around as a leader, 
right? I can't, I, when I'm in the present moment, it's difficult to be present. Yep. As I work on myself and other leaders and we let go of that bag and we start to look at it and go, all right, do I need to carry this anymore? How do I deal with it, right? Do the things you need to do. And some of it needs some amends work. Some of it needs some training work, right? A lot of character defects, like I have one, cussing in meetings. Now people say, well, that could be kind of fun, right? But to be a $100 million company where we're going, to walk around and using the, the MF word may not be the way to do it or the language is, that's unbecoming of a leader, right? Sometimes it might've been fun when you were a smaller company, a little cute, but to be the next level of where you want to go, it, it doesn't bring integrity to the to a conversation. So as I work on that, they, they're looking for someone who to, that can, they can have a vision for them. Well, I say that those character defects, all the stuff you carry in that bag, if you don't work on those things, when you're in the present moment, it can't be present and you can't have clarity. And the true idea of a leader is that they have to create ideas where one did not exist. We need to be able to create, we need to be able to create opportunities where there wasn't one. And that takes vision. You got you to be present in the moment and be able to consider all options from around the world, not just the one, you know, one or two options you thought of in the past. You got to pull from the entire, look, the, the entire network of the world to bring it to that, that moment to help your people. And the only way to do that is you got to read, you got to study, you got to practice. You got you to practice your art every single day, harder than anybody that works yeah. for you, right? If you're as a leader not doing that, you're not doing the people you're in the, in the room with any justice. You, you do not deserve to stand in front of human beings and lead them if we don't do more work than they do. Awesome. That's fantastic stuff you're sharing there. Just the last question here, just to wrap it up nicely, and that is, if I got you get you to get your crystal ball out here and think about the future. Where do you see leadership being in five years? You know, it's, it's going to be more, it's going to be more exciting than ever, right? We're, we're embarking on AI. AI is coming at, at, a, at a pace that people do not understand. And like the industrial Re revolution came, it was a game changer, right? Small countries like England and France dominated the planet. Those little tiny countries dominated the planet because they understood how commerce worked, mm. right? And they went out, they really dominated the planet. Well, artificial intelligence is coming. And those companies today that are not working on data-driven companies, if they're not, everything you're doing, everything you're focused at, everything that you're doing in business every day isn't a data collection module. You're going to be behind. And the problem is when AI hits the marketplace, the, the gap will spread so fast, you'll never catch up. Oh, that's awesome. So the the future and the people in the future really do need to be working on working on uh, capturing data to really be ready for the AI platforms that are coming. Oh, that is awesome. I love it. And create yeah. opportunities when when there isn't one, but how you create those opportunities, that's that's fantastic. Anthony, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. If our listeners are wanting to get a hold of you, where should they go? You know, Dennis, anytime they want to, they can get a hold of me at cdogroup.com, right? The, I'm on the website, <clears throat> or you can get me at anthony at cdogroup.com. That's my email address. I'm more than happy to take, uh, take on emails. I, I always love talking to young entrepreneurs. It, it really does excite me to, to listen to their passion and where they're going. And it rem reminds me of what's really important, right? To fuel that fire for young, creative entrepreneurs. Awesome. Anthony, once again, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Dennis, I love your show, man. I love every episode. Thanks for letting me be on the show. Thank you. There you go, listeners. There you go. Beautiful words shared there by Anthony, and it's about how we can be really strong as leaders in understanding where we're going, but really be there to, to be there. Part of the future of the game is actually doing things differently.
It's all about how we think about things and how we look at things and how we do things differently. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 